Wow, that is awesome. Thank you so much, Hosanna. That was beautiful. Oh, wow. Mm. Wow, we could call it quits and say we had good church today. Amen? But we're not done yet. We got word. We got some things. Pastor Paul stopped in a couple days ago, Pastor Paul Holdren, and he dropped a card off for the whole congregation here, and he wanted me to share it with you guys. He said, to our LWC family, your kindness was very much appreciated. I give thanks for you, uh, for all of you. God blessed us in so many ways during our time uh, together. You made such a significant difference in our lives. Thank you for your acts of love and your most generous monetary gifts. Love, Pastor Paul and Karen. So they, he really has a heart for all of you. And I told him, I said, don't be stranger. We, we, we want to see you guys. So he really poured into you guys, and he, they really love you so much. So that's nice. I'll put this on the back table so you can take a look. Also, he dropped off. He said the last time he preached here, how many were here the last time he preached? Okay, he gave um, a booklet here about personal evangelism. And he said, some people weren't here that service. So he gave me some extra copies. Uh, here, keep one for us. And uh, there's four left. So whoever was not at that service who would like one, they will be on the back table as well. I was looking through it. It's powerful, good stuff. And we're gonna be making a push for evangelism. Amen? Amen. So, good stuff. So here's what we're gonna do. All the kids and Marianne, stand up. We're gonna pray over you and we're gonna release you guys for the first Children's Church, it's powerful. Holy Ghost is showing up up here. He's showing up down there. Amen? Amen. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray for Marianne. I pray for all the children, Lord, that are going downstairs. We pray that you would fill that downstairs, that classroom, with your Holy Spirit, with your manifest presence and glory. Lord, I pray that every word that is spoken is from the Holy Ghost, from heaven down to earth, spoken to these children, that they would be taught the word, that they, there would be an impartation of the Spirit of God and the fire of the Holy Ghost in their life like never before. Lord, let people see a difference in the children of Living Waters Chapel, where people will say, wow, they must have been at Living Waters Chapel Children's Church. Father, do it. Do miracle signs and wonders in these children's lives. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. amen. All right, go have fun. So I guess it's ages 5 to 12, right? So uh, I guess if any adult wants to sit down there, uh, you could if you want. <laughs> Woo, glory. Oh, my. You guys having fun yet? Oh, my. It's so interesting, all of the songs that were sung that were about faith. Well, I'm going to be talking about faith today, amen? Mm. So if you have your Bibles, open them up to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And I'm going to start with verses 1 through 7, and we're going to kick this thing off. Now, I'm going to talk about faith, and some of you might be like, oh, oh, we hear about faith all the time. I might give you a perspective where you're, we're going to climb up the, the, a different side of the mountain to get maybe a different perspective that maybe you've never seen before, all right? So 2 Corinthians 5, 1 through 7, it says, For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, our physical bodies, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. If indeed, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. That's why sometimes you'll hear me say it's unnatural for a Christian not to desire the supernatural power of God. If you're born again, you should be desired it. Amen? Verse 5. Now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who also has given us the Spirit, the, Spirit, the Holy Spirit, as a guarantee. So we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith and not by sight. Now I want to start off talking about this. There, the Bible talks about three different kinds of faith. Say three. Three. 
Some people think, well, isn't it just faith? No, the Bible talks about three different kinds. Number one, the Bible talks about the faith. It's talking about Christianity. All the beliefs that are packaged in Christianity, that the Bible calls it the faith, all right? Notice there's not many faiths, there's the faith, one. Jesus is the only way, amen? <laughs> Secondly, there is the gift of faith. The Holy Spirit, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, literally one of the nine gifts of the Spirit is the gift of faith. What is that? That is faith in overdrive. That's when the Holy Spirit literally puts a, a supernatural faith in your heart for miracles, signs, wonders. So that's, that's an overdrive, all right? And then there is personal faith. Say personal faith. The Word of God says that he has given us the measure of faith. What does that mean? It's like God gives us, when you get born again, or actually when you're created, he gives you a measuring stick. Let's just say born again for now. He gives you a measuring stick with the word faith on it, but the amount you possess is up to you, not God. That's called personal, that's personal faith we're talking about right there. Now, many, when they hear the word faith, you know, they hear that word and they cringe. But I, I don't, you can't separate your Christian walk from faith. You were born again by faith, right? We live by faith. We walk by faith. Everything in the Christian life is dependent on faith. Say faith. faith. So if you have a problem with the topic of faith, that just tells me, you know, you're probably, well, even a baby in Christ, you know, you it kind of makes me wonder, if you have a problem with faith, are you really born again? Are you hearing me? That's tight, but it's right. Come on, somebody. All right? So, like I said, in fact, to even get saved, you had to have faith. Apart from getting saved, many Christians throw the topic of faith right off to the side. Why is that? Well, the Bible tells us what's going on there. Because if you throw spiritual things to the side, you are too carnally minded. Say carnally minded. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Let me show you something here. See, what I can't figure out here sometimes is with individuals, it's like they, they, they believe that Jesus, the Son of God, came to this earth. He died on the cross. He even rose from the dead. But it ends right there. Healing? Nah. Right? Deliverance? Nah, that can't be it. What, what, God doesn't want us to live in poverty? No, that can't be right. So you see what I'm saying? They can believe that, you know, the beginning of Jesus is Lord. He, was ro he rose from the dead, but everything else is foolishness to them. And here's what the Bible says about that. 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 4. It says, and I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as babes in Christ, or a baby in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food. For until now, until now, you were not able to receive it. And even now, you are still not able. So here the Holy Ghost through Paul is saying, man, so you got the basics of the word in you, and I'm trying to feed you some, some spiritual thing. I'm trying to feed you some meat, some spiritual meat, but you keep throwing it up. All right? You can't handle it. Why? Because you're still a baby in Christ, right? And, but So I'll, we'll talk about that more later. For you are still carnal. For where there, is, there are envy and strife and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? For when one says, I am of Paul, and, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? So the Holy Spirit here, through the, uh, through the Apostle Paul, is rebuking the people who, the Christians, say Christians, who live in Corinth, all right, for having divisions within the body of Christ. By the way, this is written to Christians. Have you ever heard anyone say that, where maybe you strike up a conversation with someone, right, and you ask them, well, are you Christian? They say, no, I'm Catholic. Are you a Christian? No, I'm Baptist. Are you a Christian? No, I'm Lutheran. Let's like, what are you talking about? Let's get back to the basics here. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, right? So this is what Paul's dealing with. See, what happened back then is still happening today, right? So I love the Word of God because it's just as valid back then. It's just as valid today as it was back then. Amen? So two groups are mentioned. 
carnal and spiritual Christians. Now, you've got to understand this. Both groups are saved. Both the carnal Christian and the spiritual Christian, both are saved, right? Um, a carnal Christian, what's a carnal Christian? A carnal Christian uh, doesn't want to go beyond, like I said, making Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of their life. They create divisions. Um, they have an us for and no more kind of a mentality. They don't want to go deeper in their walk with the Lord. The deeper things of God are foolishness with them. You ever have that where, man, some, you, maybe like today, you know, you're like, man, the presence of God was so strong. You try telling that to maybe a carnal Christian, they're going to be like, huh, that's dumb. That's hogwash. What are you talking about, right? Because what needs to happen is it needs to drop six inches from their head down to their heart. Are you following me? When, when Christianity drops from your head down to your heart, then you will experience the power of God in your life. So um, a carnal Christian doesn't want to go beyond making Jesus their Lord and Savior. The, now the spiritual Christian, here's the deal. The spiritual Christian has a kingdom mindset and desires to receive everything that, God, that Jesus died to give them. Say kingdom mindset. It's a kingdom, you gotta have a kingdom mindset. If you really wanna be used by the Lord, you got to have a kingdom, a big picture kind of mindset, right? So that's why, you know, you see in some churches when someone leaves a church, you know, maybe the pastor is like, like shuns that individual. It's like, okay, this is ridiculous. We're all Christians here, okay? Maybe someone felt led to go to another church, right? Or something like that. So, but, but they get shunned by maybe the, uh, the people or the pastor, or the leaders or something like that. It's like, no, no, no. We gotta have a kingdom mindset, amen? We got to maintain, if we wanna see a move of God in this church, if we wanna see a move of God in Carroll, in Tuscola County and beyond, we have to have a kingdom mindset. So the spiritual Christian, here's the difference between the carnal and spiritual Christian. The spiritual Christian has renewed their mind. They renewed their thought life with the word of God. Go to Romans chapter 12 with me. Let's press into this. I'm gonna be getting in, the further I get into this message, we're gonna dig deeper wells here, all right? We're kind of laying a foundation here. Romans chapter 12, verses one through two, very popular passage from the word of God. It's powerful. It says these words. It says, I beseech you, brethren. I'm begging you, brethren. In other words, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your what? Reasonable. It's just reasonable. That's why I said that's entry-level Christianity right? Taking up your cross and following Jesus, that's not just for the mature Christians, right? No, no, no. When you get saved, you are expected to take up your cross. Jesus Christ is your Lord, and you need to stand for righteousness. Amen? It's your reasonable service. After all, why is it reasonable? It's saying because Jesus died on the cross. The, the torture he took for you and I, it's our reasonable service. Holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Whew, let's dive in. It is impossible to truly have, uh, have a, uh, to develop a true Bible faith without renewing your mind with the word of God. You have to renew. Why? Because when you first get saved, there, there's a lot of life behind you where you had a lot of mindsets that were ungodly. You had a lot of mindsets, right? And I'm, I, come on, I'm even talking to the people who were raised in church as a kid. Maybe you went to a church where they're teaching things that were not biblical. We need to renew our mind. I, and I love this. Do not be conformed or pressed into the mold of the world and faithless mindsets. See, being conformed, there's a pressure. Do you ever notice that when you watch the news? Huh? They're, they're try, they push these agendas, and they're trying to, to press you into their mold. Well, when you read the word of God, it's untangling that mess. It's, it's straightening out your, as I said, your moral compass. Amen? 
Conformed is talking about this. It's, it's talking about following an outward model or outward appearance. And then the word tells us to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Listen to this. Transformed is talking about a change on the inside, a heart change that will affect your outward actions. Are you following this here? See, if you really want change in your life, it's got to be down in the heart level. Not talking about the physical bump. I'm talking about your spirit, man. It's got to drop into who you really are. See, someone can have head knowledge, right? But it's not heart knowledge. You see, you got people. And let me, let me just tell you this. Thank you, Holy Ghost. The devil knows the word of God better than you and I. Demons know the devil better than you or I. But you know what the difference is? Obedience to the word. Do you follow that? It's not just about knowing. It's about doing Doing, putting it into action, putting it into practice, amen? Amen. So faith is of the heart, not the flesh. So that's why, remember, there's only two gates that enter the heart of an individual. There's the eye gates and there's the ear gates. You guys are probably gonna hear me say this throughout the the 50 years I'm gonna be in this church. (laughs) You're gonna get tired of hearing it, but you know what? You're gonna be dreaming about that point, okay? So there is the eye gates and the ear gates. That's the only entrance into the heart of man, the heart of, of a person. So you have to read the word. You have to hear the word of God, and you'll get clearer spiritual vision and discernment, right? So um, I love this. Verse 2, look at this again here. Romans 12, 2. Let's read that one more time. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I love it. That you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Verse two says that transforming your mind will, will, will make you so spiritually sharp, you will know when God's moving. You will understand the will of God. When, you, when, when the will of God is taking place, you will know the Holy Ghost is moving. Are you following me? And that happens when you transform your mind. That's why sometimes you have uh, individuals in in a local church or in a a revival service who go to a service and the Holy Ghost is moving and they're offended, but everyone else is just in the presence of God just crying. (laughs) Are you hearing me? Why? Because one dealt with their heart and the other didn't. And in its foolishness, the moving of the Holy Spirit is foolish to the carnal Christian. But to the spiritual Christian, it's essential. We need the moving of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Now, um, so renewing your mind with the word of God will allow you to hear and be more sensitive to the Holy Spirit. It will, like I said, unclog your thought life and all of the worldly mindset that make you spiritually deaf and spiritually blind. Oh, do we all need that these days? Amen? Amen. We're living in some times, in fact, the Bible says, be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, is walking around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he, what? May. In other words, that word may, whoever gives the devil permission. And unknowingly, carnal Christians who don't have a renewed mind give the enemy permission many times. So it's so important to get into the word of God. The thought life is extremely important in the Christian life. So, Once a person is truly born again, their heart, I love this, their heart is bent toward God. They desire to know him. They desire to please him. There should be a pleasing. And and if not, chances are there's probably too many layers, scar tissue that's built up around the heart. And your your mind hasn't been renewed. So you got to get back in. So see, you can still be saved as a backslidden Christian, but you're definitely going to live a life that, is down here instead of this life that God intends you to live, right? All right, so so they're bent toward God. Hebrews 11.6 says this, that without faith, it's impossible to please God. It's impossible to please God, you know? Here's a message that maybe I'll preach one day. The impossibilities of God. What are the impossibilities? It's impossible to please God without faith. Just told us. It's impossible for God to bless sin, Right? It's impossible for God to make you love him. Did you, are you hearing me? 
If it was possible for God to make people love him, hell would be empty right now because it's his will that all should be saved. Are all saved? No. Why? Because it's impossible for God to make you love him. It's your choice. It's your free will. Amen? So here's the deal. So, you know, how about that scripture, all things are possible with God. Go to Matthew 19. Let's take a look at this. Oh, my, this really, this jumped out to me. The Holy Spirit showed me something that I guess I'd never really zoomed in on before, but that's the Holy Spirit's job, right? That's the importance of getting into the Word. You're giving the Holy Spirit an opportunity to minister to you. You're giving the Holy Spirit an opportunity. We want to give the Holy Spirit opportunities to show us and teach us things from the Word. All right, so look at this, Matthew 19 Verse 26. But Jesus looked at them and said to them, With men, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. I want to, I want to zero in on one thing here. <laughs> Look at this. It says, With men, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. I want you to underline, if you have a pen or a pencil, underline the word with. All things are possible with God. Jesus says, on your own, things are impossible. You're gonna run into, you're gonna run into you know, roadblocks all the time. Nothing is gonna be impossible. But with God, say with. I guess I never even looked at this. When I read this scripture, I just kind of, when I read it, I kind of thought of it as, oh, okay, just God, everything's impossible, God. But the Holy Spirit, when I was reading this verse, he illuminated it. You ever have that where like one word just jumps out at you and almost knocks you off your seat, right? And it was the word with. The casual reading makes you think that nothing's impossible for God alone. But the Holy Spirit said this, this implies partnership between God and man. Why? Because God put it into motion that he needs man to move on this earth. Not even an angel can preach the gospel. Not even angels are commissioned to preach the gospel. Not even angels are commissioned to lay hands on the sick and watch them recover. Not even angels are commissioned to cast out devils. But who is? Christians with God. A partnership. See, I hear too many people say, God doesn't need me. God doesn't need me. I'm worthless. You know, God, if God wants to do it, he's just going to do it. But guess what? If you don't do it, guess what he's going to do? He's going to tap someone else on the shoulder and have them do it. Why? Because God has always seeked a partnership between God and man. Even Moses, when he came, he had to lift his hands up for that sea to part. Why couldn't God just do it without the hands being raised? Because God does need permit. He put it into place, into motion. Are you hearing me? See, a lot of people hear that and they're thinking, oh, wow, that's blasphemous. No, it's not. It's part, say partnership. God needs our partnership. That's how miracles, signs, and wonders happen. Amen? Jesus said, pray that laborers are sent into the harvest. Why? If God wants them saved, he can just get them saved on their own, right? Wrong. Pray that laborers are sent so his power can flow through, so his word can flow through you. We really are. When we have the Holy Spirit in us, we are connectors between heaven and earth. That's why the word says we are ambassadors for Christ. We are representatives, amen? amen. So you do your part in the natural, prayer, obedience to the Holy Spirit, and then God will do his supernatural work. God needs to be a part of the equation. So when I read this in the past, I just thought, oh yeah, okay, God, everything's impossible. But the Holy Spirit said, no, 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 no. You point out and tell the people with God, them plus me is a supernatural combination. Ooh, hallelujah. See, Jesus is trying to get us to expand our thought life beyond the natural realm, beyond natural limitations. Jesus is always trying to do that. That's why I said when I came in here, the Holy Spirit said, he goes, now, James, your job is to come in here and to shift the mindset of the people. You get, them to, you get their eyes off of the natural realm and focus on my word. 
Focus on me because, because with God, say with God, all things are possible. Woo. So I love this saying it like this. God needs our free will to be connected to his perfect will. When God created man, he, like I said, he created it with partnership in mind. You, you can't, you, you can't, if you, it takes demonic help not to see that in the word of God. It really does. It takes a, a demonic blindness not to see it. It's so evident, amen? Oh my, so 2 Corinthians 5, which we read in the beginning, is saying that your spirit man, the real you, desires the presence of God, desires the supernatural power of God, desires the presence of, come on, of heaven. The real you does. If you're born again, there's a part of you that should be longing, you know? You know, the word of God says, be content in all things. Don't ever be content in your spiritual walk with God. You press in for more. What it's saying is be content with what you have, talking about in the natural. But first of all, God doesn't want you to live in poverty, number one. Are you hearing me? Get out of that poverty mindset, right? On the other hand, not everyone's going to be a millionaire, right? Be content with what you have. Listen, I, I heard something the other day. It says, if you have food on your table, a roof over your head, and clothes on your back in the basics, you are richer than, it was a crazy number, a percentage of you're richer than whatever, 80-something percent, 90-something percent of the whole world. It was crazy, right? But never be content with your spiritual walk. Have a, uh, uh, I like this, a holy dissatisfaction in your walk with God. There's got to be. So um, we are expected by God to walk by faith, not by sight, all right? So I want you to notice the Holy Spirit contrasts in, in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, walking by faith with walking by sight. And, and I've said this before. Here's another thing you're gonna hear for the next 50 years while I'm pastoring this church, okay? Uh, but it's worth repeating. In a sense, you have to be blinded to the natural realm around you. If you're gonna walk by faith, because notice it contrasts walking by faith with walking by sight, your natural eyes. Because any, what you see in the natural is always going to discourage you. Let me, it is. It, it's always going to discourage you what you see. You know, you're ministering maybe to a, a loved one who's not saved, and all you're seeing them is going out and partying and, and you know, cursing the Lord and blah, 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 right? That's going to that's, that's gonna discourage you, right? I'm just using it as, as an example. But when you're praying, you get your, your eyes back on the Lord, back on his word. That creates a faith in you to keep going, to keep praying. Are you hearing me? So that's why the enemy is always trying to take your eyes off of the spiritual. By the way, you are a spirit being. You know that, right? You are, a, you are first and foremost a spirit being. You possess a soul, mind, will, and emotions, and you live in an earth suit, a physical body. But many times we major on the natural realm, Right? We major on the natural realm when God's saying, no, 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 no. If you're, if you're truly gonna walk by faith, get your eyes off of the natural and get them back on my word. Make God the first option, not last resort. When you're having a problem, right? When you're having an issue, go to God first. Pray about it, right? Because maybe it's gonna avoid a whole bunch of junk that you're gonna go through in the natural if you would have just seek God first, Oh my, that's power right there. Now, so we're not denying circumstances in the natural. We get it, right? Things happen in the natural, we get it. We're not denying it, but we are not supposed to be focused on them. Say focus. We're not supposed to be focused on the things in the natural. Go with me to uh, Hebrews 11.6. I brought it up earlier, but we're gonna take a deeper plunge into this. Mm. That seems to be the, uh, the thing here recently. Like, I'll, I read a verse and then we're gonna go deeper with it. So we're, we're gonna kind of stay along that line, all right? Uh, so Hebrews 11.6 Now, this is where it really gets fun, this message, all right? We laid a foundation. Now we're going to open up some new things, and you're going to maybe see some things from a different perspective. 
All right, so Hebrews 11, 6, and it says, But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So we know that without faith, we know that it's, it's impossible to please God. Who wants to please God in here? Then there's got to be faith, not just saving faith. No, it's talking about having faith every day of your life, trusting him, putting God first, right? That's all part of it. But let's go deeper with that verse. Look at the second part of that verse here. It says this. If you have a pen, underline this. For he that comes to God must believe. Okay, so the word of God's telling us things. If we're gonna come to God, here's some things we need to believe, right? This is pretty important stuff because the Bible's B-I-B-L-E, basic instructions before leaving earth. So the Holy Spirit's trying to give us some instruction, right? So God, we must believe what? What must we believe if we're truly gonna have faith? That he is. Not the I was, but he is. He's not the I was that just helped you back in 1964. No, no, he is the God now who wants to help you in your problems now. You have to believe it. Why? Because faith is now. Okay, all right, I, I know that was deep. That was deep. Here we go, we're gonna go a little deeper. So you must believe that he is. This is reality. The, this, the word of God is not just a storybook. This is not just a story. Are you hearing me? This is not like reading Moby Dick. This is not like reading Charlotte's Web. You're hearing me, right? This is the word of the living God, the God who created us, right? You must believe that he is and that he is, I, very interesting, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He is, you. oh, okay, so now true faith then, we gotta believe that he is, he is present. He is the I am, not the I was, right? And you got to believe. It says if you're gonna have true faith and please God, you have to believe that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Let me just lay it out like this. Our God is not a child abuser. Are you following me? You must believe that he's present and that he is a rewarder. God is not God what God was, and he is a rewarder. These are obviously very important points that the Holy Spirit wanted to get across to us as believers, right? You must believe. Here it comes down to this. I love this. You must believe the best about your heavenly father and not the worst. That's faith. That's true faith. I don't know what it is, but there's so many Christians who want to believe the worst about their Heavenly Father. Something happens in their life that's bad or tragic, and they're sitting there cursing God. They're sitting there blaming God, right? Are you hearing me? And this is a problem of having an unrenewed mind. That's someone who's not reading the word of God. That's someone who's not feeding on the word of God. Because I don't know if you know this or not, but God is a good God. And let me drop this theological truth on all of you right now and those listening online around the world. Amen? Amen. God and Satan are not partners in crime together. God and Satan are not partners in crime together. Oh, I can't tell you how many Christians they think that God and Satan, they have like this corporation and they're partners in it, boy. That's ridiculous. God and Satan are enemies. Now the enemy wants Christians to believe the worst about their heavenly father, right? Right? They want them, the enemy wants you to curse God. The enemy wants you to, God, why do I got this sickness or disease? But God is a good God. Jesus said these words in John 10, 10, 10. It's the thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus gave the job description of Satan and of Jesus. But I have come, Jesus said, to give life and to give it more abundantly. But people are cursing God and believing the worst about their heavenly father. 
I don't know what it is. You know what it is? It's a dead religion mindset. It's that old-time religion, boy. Woo! Are you hearing me? Pull out the old banjo. Thank you, Lord, for this sickness and disease. Are you hearing me? Oh, yeah. Oh, by the way, I do like to slay sacred cows, by the way. Amen. But he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So many well-meaning Christians, they do love the Lord, but they're blaming God for things that God has no part in in their life. It's an attack of the enemy, right? Or maybe they've opened the door to their life, right? So uh, let me just say it one more time because when I said it, I know it hit like a ton of bricks in people's hearts. Our God is not a child abuser. He's a good God, amen? In fact, he said these words, if you know how to give good gifts, how much more your heavenly Father will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. And the purpose of the Holy Spirit, you wanna know what the purpose is? To lead you and guide you into blessing and victory in your life. Every instruction, every word of the Holy Ghost is trying to get you in line with the will of God for your life. And guess who's trying to get you out of the will of God? The enemy. Uh, So we are to take God at his word. He is a good God. He has a great plan for our life. And bondage, sickness, disease, poverty does not fit in that plan for your life. Go to Hebrews 11.1. Hebrews 11.1, just up the road a little bit there from verse 6. Oh, yes. So remember, God, he, you got to believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. In other words, he's a good God. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now I want you to understand this important spiritual fact. I said it earlier, I want to say it again. Faith is always now. Say, faith is now. Faith is always now. In fact, so I had to slap a title on this message, and and here's the title I'm putting on it. The miracle of the moment, because faith is now. And when you have now faith, things change. Miracles happen. Situations, circumstances shift, because faith is now. Now, When you, uh, uh, God connects his super with your natural and miracles happen, right? So this is the miracle of the moment. Faith is now. Let's take a deeper look at this now. Faith then, what is faith? It goes on to tell us a little bit more. It's it's like a piece of the puzzle in the word. You're you're putting pieces together and and it's painting this awesome picture where it gives you understanding. So here's what we got. Faith is, It says in verse 1 here of 11.1, Hebrews 11.1, that faith is the substance of things hoped for. Underline that. uh, Faith is the substance of things hoped for. And then it goes on to give a little bit more piece of the puzzle. It says it's the evidence of things not seen. Say evidence of things not seen. So it's the substance of things hoped for. So we got this key. For someone to have faith, there first had to be hope in their heart for a situation. Now, what is hope? Hope is this, a confident expectation. In other words, it didn't happen yet. It's an expectation. Are you following me? Why? Because faith is now, but hope is a confident expectation. Oh, this is going to, you know. There has to be hope. If there's no hope, if there's no confident expectation, it's impossible to have faith because hope is an ingredient for faith. Now, some people mistake hope with faith, but they're different. The Word of God says in 1 Corinthians 13, it says there's faith, love, and hope. It separates them. Hope looks to the future. So there has to be a hope on the inside. That's why when I minister to someone, sometimes I'll say, like I told you guys before, 
I see new faces here. But it, when I minister to someone, uh, I'll always say, can you see yourself, can you picture it on the inside, doing something that you haven't been able to do before? And if they say yes, I know hope is present. They have a confident expectation for the future. Now we're going to try to bring it in to the now. Now here's, you got to, oh, we're going somewhere. Are you guys getting anything out of this? So hope must first be present before you can have faith. Um, here, here we go. The Greek word, this is interesting. The Greek word that is translated substance, okay? S- faith is substance of things hoped for. Keep that in mind. The Greek word translated substance means this, a confidence, a assurance, a conviction, or here's a word that just, boom, dropped in my spirit, a reality. See, the English language is so limited compared to like the Greek language and Hebrew language. That's why it's good to do word studies. It's so rich, right? So listen to this. So I really like that word reality. When faith is present, it should dictate over your emotions. Are you following me? Mm, Okay. But many times we allow our emotions to overrule our faith. Now, let's real quick uh, go to Mark 11. This is another passage of Scripture I'm going to bring up a lot within the next 50 years, so get used to it. Uh... Mark 11, verse 20. Mm. All right, so Mark 11, 20. Um, mm, this is some good stuff. See, even when a pastor preaches, he's getting fed. Because the whole time it's becoming even a more reality on the inside, right? So, so if pastor's ever up here preaching something and you're like, oh, he's preaching to me. No, no, no. Pastors are always preaching to themselves too, right? This is the word. It applies to all of us, right? I'm just blessed enough to be able to be up here and to teach it. So praise God. Mark 11, um, 20 through 24. Look at this. Now in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Jesus, capital H, him, Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. Remember, this was the next morning they seen it. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God, or have the God kind of faith is what it literally says in the original. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things which he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. That's pretty powerful. This is a spiritual law. You can have good things or you can have bad things. What's coming out of your heart? Abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, underline it, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. So we, according to this passage, we are expected to believe that you receive the answer to your prayer. (laughs) Listen to this. You're expected to believe that you receive the answer to your prayer at the point that you prayed for that thing. You understand this? You will not notice anything different in the natural realm. When you pray, nothing immediately will change around you. You understand this now. So at the point of when we pray, we're expected to believe. Why? Because faith is what? Now. Are you following me? Exactly. Believing with your heart in that it's now. Amen? So you, like I said, you won't notice anything different in the natural realm. But when you pray, something changed in the spirit realm. Something changed in the spirit realm. Jesus cursed the fig tree, but nothing happened immediately. It was the next day, the next morning. 
that they noticed was something was different. Something happened to the roots. Somewhere where the, the individuals couldn't see what was going on, Jesus cursed the fig tree, but nothing, they couldn't see any evidence of it right when Jesus did it, right? They came back and they're like, Jesus, that tree you cursed is now withered. So obviously, when those words were released out of Jesus' mouth, come on, something happened to the roots where they couldn't see was what they couldn't see what was going on. But Jesus said, when you speak unto this mountain, you will have whatsoever you what? You say. Here's the key. You gotta have faith in your heart when you speak it to see results. And you might not see it immediately. Faith is now, and the manifestation follows. So when you pray for a situation in your life, the roots of your issue are being dealt with immediately when you pray. Everything that's taking place in your life right now is simply a manifestation of what's going on on the inside of you and in the spirit realm around you. If you want to change something in your life, you better deal with the root of the spirit realm first, the spiritual. Many people, that, that's why a lot of times secular counseling sometimes doesn't really do it. Now, I'm not disregarding that because people, there's some powerful and great things that happen there. But if you're not dealing with the spiritual root all you're doing is picking fruit and saying, all right, it's gone. And then you come back the next day, it grew back, what? Okay, we're gonna deal with that fruit again. It's back again? Well, let's deal with the root. Let's get to the root of the issue. And guess where the root is usually? Right in the heart. You gotta deal with the heart. Everything in the New Testament deals with the heart, amen? So verse 23 through 24 of Mark 11 reveals that if you truly believe that you received what you asked for, here, listen to this, I love this. If you truly believed what you asked for in prayer, if faith truly was present, there should be, listen to this, there should be a marked difference in your attitude. There should be a marked difference in your emotions after you prayed for that thing. That's why faith is now and the manifestation follows. Say that with me. Say, faith is now. The manifestation follows. So when you pray, if you truly have faith in your heart, there should be a marked difference in your emotions. In, in other words, if you pray for something and you have faith, it's a confidence, it's an assurance, it's reality to you, right? It's substance, it's reality to you. You should walk away from your prayer happy, joyful, and not saying, oh, just confessing the problem. You're talking about your mountain in instead of speaking to the mountain. Oh, my. Hmm. So, and then it goes back to 1 John 5, 14 through 15 about having confidence when you pray. The confidence will be manifested in thought, word, and deed. Are you following me? Go with me there. Uh, go to First uh, John 5 real quick here. Your faith should overrule your emotions. And if it doesn't, then there wasn't faith present. Hope definitely wasn't present, and it didn't turn in from a confident expectation in the future to a now. I got this now, right? Even before you see the manifestation in the natural. So 1 John 5, 14 through 15, look at this. Now this is the, here it is, confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. So now let's look at another one, John chapter 15. Oh, we're just building it here. I'm showing you, that I'm bringing up three different passages that all say the same thing because the word of God confirms itself always. Always say that. Say, the word of God always confirms itself. 
Always does. Why? Because it's one author, the Holy Ghost. All right? So John 15, verse 7 through 8. Jesus said these words. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask whatever you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. Why? Because he's a good God. So that you will be my disciples. In these two verses, Jesus tells us exactly how to get prayers to our, our answers to our prayers every single time. Every single time. Number one, we are to abide in Christ. Abiding in Christ means what he tells you to do, do it. Walk in obedience. Are you, amen? And his words are to abide in us. The word of God needs to abide in our heart. And if those two conditions are met, we can ask what we desire and it shall be done. Now here's the catch. You ready for the catch? Here's the Holy Ghost catch. Here's the flow of what's going on here. These two verses are directly related to Romans chapter 12, verse 2, about being transformed and renewing the mind with the word of God. When you abide in Christ and you let the word abide in you or the word of God remain in your heart, here's the catch. Your desires will line up with the word of God. Your heart becomes synchronized with God's heart. That's why he said, you can ask whatever you want. See, it's not just asking whatever James wants, right? I, I want a I Learjet, right? I want a Gulfstream jet to fly all you guys, right? Back and forth to Florida, California, right? Have some fun. No, 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 no. That's James. But when I start to get a spiritual mindset, fill myself with the word of God, his desires become my desires, that's why he said, you can ask whatever you want, and you will have it. And why is that? Because God is a good God. Jesus said, when you ask what you will under those conditions, you're bringing glory to my heavenly Father, and it shows that you're my disciples. Our answered prayer, did you catch it? Our answered prayer literally shows people we are disciples of Jesus. But the two conditions need to be met. You abide in Christ, be obedient to the word, and let the word dwell in your heart. Now, I'm gonna put a nice bow on this thing in a minute here. It's gonna be beautiful. Now, so your will aligns with God's will. You are what, what Romans talks about. When you let the word dwell in you richly, renew your mind, you are able to prove what is the good acceptable and perfect will of God. It gives you clear spiritual vision in your life. And then that directly is related to that 1 John 5, 14 through 15, that if you ask anything according to his will, are you seeing the connection between all three of these scriptures? If you ask anything according to his will, you know he hears you, and because he heard you, you're gonna have what you prayed for. See, God doesn't want your prayer life to be, like I said, having a blindfold on and trying to hit a dartboard. He's telling us exactly how to get answered prayer every time. And what is the true purpose? Again, to bring glory to our Heavenly Father, and it proves we're Jesus' disciples. Um, now, I, I want to point this out to you. The Holy Spirit showed me this, and, a, and it was powerful, and this will change your prayer life. If I'm, I'm going to drop a nugget on you guys. Are you ready for this? You need to know this. When you meet those conditions, our perseverance in prayer is not to change God's mind. It's not to convince him to answer your prayer. You want to know what it's for? It's to overcome spiritual warfare in the spirit realm. Are you here? When you meet the conditions of answered prayer, you know when, when, when there's a resistance that comes against you, you know it's not God that you're fighting against, it's the enemy. Guys, I'm telling you, that will revolutionize. That, that will make you just say, I am pressing in. If I got word on this thing that I'm praying for, <laughs> you know it's not your heavenly father fighting you, it's the enemy. Christians need to get past this dead religion mindset that you're fighting against your heavenly father. Now, guess when you are fighting against your heavenly father? 
when your mind's not renewed with the word of God. Then, you're, then, then it's James, please, God, give me that Gulfstream jet, please. Right? God's not interested in that. Are you hearing me? He's interested in his kingdom. He's interested in people, reaching people. Amen? But I want to prove to you here, and this is my last point I want to bring up. I want to prove to you that perseverance in prayer is not trying to change God's mind, but rather to combat the enemy in the spirit realm. It's called spiritual warfare. Welcome to the game. Right? Daniel chapter 10. Welcome to the ring. If you have never encountered spiritual warfare, I heard this. If, if you've never had the devil come against you, you and the devil might be walking in the same direction. Whoa! That was powerful, wasn't it? When I heard that. So go to Daniel chapter 10. I want to show you something here that is powerful. I want to be going in the opposite direction of the enemy. Amen. Daniel 10, 10 through 13. If you're going to do anything significant for the Lord, just get ready. There's going to be warfare. And guess what? It's a badge of honor. Amen. I mean, you're stirring things up. They know you're getting ready to break loose with something. Amen. Daniel 10, 10 through 13. It says, suddenly... A hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees and on the, on the palm of my hands. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright. For I have now been sent to you. While he was speaking this word to me, I stood trembling. Then he said to me, do not fear, Daniel, for from the underline this, this is it. From the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard. You, you do realize Daniel pressed in, persevered for 21 days, and it wasn't to change God's mind. Listen to this. Do not fear, Daniel, from the first day that you were set, that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come come because of your words. But, say but, the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, the archangels, came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. From the first day, you gotta get this deep in your spirit. From the first day that Daniel prayed, the angel messenger, the answer to his prayer was released. Oh my, my, my. Daniel 9.23 confirms this by saying, at the beginning of your supplications or praying, the command went out and the angel was released with the answer. The revelation, the answer to Daniel's prayer was released. See, the enemy hates revelation. The enemy hates when you and I get answered prayer. He hates when revelation comes. So the enemy will do anything he can do to hinder answered prayer, to hinder revelation, to hinder the angels of God from coming to minister to you. He hates it. Satan and demonic spirits will stop at nothing. Do you want to know? Here's the, here's the playbook of the enemy. Ready? To distract you and I or to discourage us and give up. What if Daniel gave up on the 20th day? The answer wouldn't have come. There was an angel that was struggling with the uh, kings, king of Persia. Basically, this is an evil principality in the heavenly realm, Right? That was hindering this angel from coming. But the angel, it was so important to the Holy Spirit to let you and I know for that angel to speak the words and for the Holy Spirit to put in the word that said this, from the first day you prayed, the answer was released. Your perseverance is persevering against the enemy, not God. If you got word on it, you're praying something in line with the word of God, you just know there's a real enemy 
and he's trying everything he can do to stop it. So Daniel fasted and prayed. Fasting and, and prayer is a powerful combination. Now, I'm going to be talking about in the near future an experience I had uh, in Big Rapids when I pastored at a prayer meeting. Man, it, it, it was on, I want to say, was it the 10th night? There was a major spiritual breakthrough. Spiritual eyes were open, saw into the spirit realm, saw. It was wild. But here's the deal. What if I would have given up on the fifth day? What if I would have given up on the eighth, ninth day? And, and trust me, the thoughts came. Nothing's going to happen. But I, you know what? In my heart, I, I felt a stirring, like, don't give up on this thing. Don't, and that's probably what Daniel felt on the inside too. When you're feeling that stirring, don't give up on that. Don't, give, don't you dare give up on that dream. Don't you dare give up on that prophetic word that, that bears witness with your spirit on the inside. Are you hearing me? Because you can abort your destiny. You can abort your destiny. Amen? We don't want that to happen. That's why the enemy will come. He will distract you. When you sit down with the word of God to read it, 20 other things come into your mind of what you should be doing, right? When you go to your prayer time, oh man, the phone's popping off here every two minutes now. Someone needs to talk. The enemy will try everything to distract you. The evil principality withstood. He hindered that angel for 21 days. And then because of the perseverance of Daniel, not to give up, another angel was loosed to help. And the answer was released. How much warfare, how many things have we given up in our life, in our prayer time? How many breakthroughs have we willingly walked away from? Because the enemy tricked us into discouragement. And our prayers and fasting, literally, can you, isn't this just um, an amazing truth? Think about this. This is mind-boggling. Our prayers literally give strength to the angels. Our lack of faith literally weakens the angels of God in a warfare battle against the enemy. This is Bible. I'm not, this isn't Pastor James. This is Bible here. Are you hearing me? Your faith, or your unbelief will either help or hinder those angels in the realm of the Spirit bringing forth your answers. Stay strong. Amen? Galatians 6, 9, the Holy Spirit brought this up to me. Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. And that's exactly what the enemy, that's why I always say there's a battle for your heart. The enemy wants your heart. God wants your heart. Who are you giving it to? But do not be weary in well-doing because if you're doing what you know you're supposed to do, you're obeying the word, you're obeying the Holy Ghost, you're feeling that stirring not to give up. Don't be weary in that. Amen? Real quick here, I am literally just have a couple points and I'm done. So I want to point out just a couple of keys to prayer that Daniel gave us in this verse here. In verse 12, the angel specifically pointed out two things in Daniel's prayer that were key to releasing that angel with the answer to prayer. You want to know those things? Here they are. The first thing that Daniel did was set his heart to understand. That was so important. The Holy Ghost put that in the Word of God for us to know. He set his heart. That's where it's talking about. He put his focus on the Lord. Get your focus off of all the distractions and get alone with God. Set your heart to understand, to know God more, to know what his plan is for your life. Amen? So uh, that was number one. So his heart was focused on God. The second key was Daniel humbled himself before God. I want you to notice that both things deal with the heart. Humility uh, will cause you uh, to understand that you need God. You cannot do things apart from him. Humility is a reverence for God. It's putting him first. It's going to him first, not last. Amen? And so many Christians neglect the now, and they're always just simply looking to the future. The problem with that is this, and this is my last point. If you're always looking forward to something in the future, you've got to understand this. 
your now was determined by your past. So your future is determined by your now. So if you're always looking, get this, if you're always looking just to the future, not dealing with now, obeying the word, now getting into prayer, guess what? It's a moving timeline. You're always gonna be frustrated in the future because you're always just focused on the future and not the now. That's why faith is now. Let's stand up in this place. Just a little nugget for you to think about. Remember, your now determines your future. You got to be, deter- be focused on the now. Father God, thank you for your word. I know I said a lot of things in this message, but Lord, I pray right now that those things, each person in this place has different needs. They're going through different things in their life. So Lord, I'm asking the points that they needed to hear, I pray they would stick in their heart. They would stick in their mind in the name of Jesus. Now, maybe there's someone in this place you've never made Jesus Lord of your life. I always want to give an opportunity for someone because, boy, what a shame it would be, right? We get up, we have great praise and worship, great special today, preaching the word, and someone leaves here unsaved, and they die and go to hell for eternity. If there's someone in here you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, I want you to come forward and I want to pray with you to receive him today. Today is the day of salvation. Do not wait. Now, maybe there's someone in here you love, you love the Lord. He was your first love when you first got saved, but eh, you, you fell away. You got kind of ra- you got wrapped up in the worldly thing, but today you want to rededicate your life with the Lord. If you want to rededicate, I want you to come up. Another group. You love the Lord, but you feel like there's no power in your life and you've never received the Holy Spirit baptism. I want to pray with you to receive the Holy Spirit baptism, to walk in power. Amen? It's not a Living Waters Chapel thing. It's a Bible thing. It's a God thing. Now, if there's someone in here you need prayer for healing, deliverance, you need prayer just for a situation you're going through, anything else, I want to pray with you. So I'm going to be by this tree over here just waiting for anybody who would like any of those things. But guys, we had a great service today. Amen? What a powerful time.